Welcome to Punk Theology. Yes, welcome, and this would be Season 4, Episode 13. This week, it's just Steve, Chuck, and myself defining deconstruction. And the bumper music in this podcast is by Chubby Marsh, punk band from Spain. Pod safe punk music. Uh, check out our playlist on Spotify, Punk Theology, the playlist. Some of the bumper music we've used in the show over the years. It's also where you could find Chubby Mosh, uh, Punk Rock Opera, Ulysses Lima, some of the recent bumpers we've played uh, right there on Spotify. PunkTheology.net is the website for this here excursion and audio adventure. Uh, why not tell a friend? Right, uh, comment in SoundCloud or iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Just a thumbs up, a star, smash the heart button. It would help. It would help the punk cause. <laughs> Welcome to the Punk Theology Podcast. I would be your host, Russ Shaw, full radio voice coming in strong <laughs> on a fucking Wednesday evening, which is my Friday. Really? It's my Friday, it's my Friday night, baby. Um, Chuck came across a cool quote, and we're still deciding what the hell we're going to title this thing. But it's talking about worldviews and consciousness and or trading one thing for another. I don't know. Do you want to read that again? Yeah, I'll read it again. Okay. There is no such thing as deconstruction of a faith, only reconstruction. There is no neutral worldview. Anything you leave in one worldview is substituted for something else and another. Because if you deconstruct something, that means you're tearing tearing it all down. Yeah. Yes. And then would would then would have zero faith, believe in nothing. But even believing in nothing is believing, because yes. you're believing in nothing, right? Yeah. yeah well, and the big like that goes to the that goes to like the uh, there's no true. Um, ah, fuck. Who are the people that say God doesn't exist? Atheists. Atheists. You know, there's only agnostics. Yeah. Um, and you know, because it's I believe in nothing. Well, you believe in something, so therefore you can you're just agnostic. Um, yeah, like the the word deconstruct means to remove, and but I think that like part of you know we like we've talked about like kind of. I can see certain parts being true and certain parts not being true. I think that's part of where I have issues on that first statement is, you know, when people say they deconstructed their faith, there, there's a lot that is not said. Uh, They're deconstructing their Christian faith or they're deconstructing their current Christian faith or Catholic faith or, Buddhist faith or whatever, whatever it is, a very specific faith structure. And it could be that they're legitimately de- deconstructing it and they no longer have a 
faith based out of Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism? Well, I think because he says that there's no such thing as deconstruction from a faith. So you're always going to have a faith. And yes, I think that's, from, a, from a generic standpoint. Yeah. And maybe is, that's what he's being, referring it to. Yeah. And that's the thing with tweets. Um, another friend of mine was, and I were talking about this and it was, you know, he just, he says, you don't know what the hell the guy meant. You know, it's, it's just a, it's out of context. You have no idea if he meant general faith or if he meant to do something very specific. Maybe he was having an off day. Maybe he, you know, ran a red light and got pulled over by a police officer. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I totally get. Yeah, the language of the faith. The language of faith and religion can be different based on other people's perception of it too. Like people yeah. ask me would you consider yourself a man of faith? And my answer to that is, what yes. do you mean by faith? You know, or do you consider yourself a Christian, like, or an atheist? Even I've I've had both, and usually my answer is, well, not in the traditional sense. You know, <laughs> are you a Christian? Not in the traditional sense. Are you an atheist? Not in the traditional sense. You know, um, but there's something to that word faith. For me, I'm I'm the more the more I uh, think about it, pray about it, meditate on it, it's that faith for me now is the, is the, we don't all have it figured out. The fact that there is no certainty around, you know, the thing we're, we're all kind of hungry and thirsty for. Like we're hungry and thirsty to know about something that is a huge mystery heard one guy say theology it could be like trying to explain the internet to your dog i mean that's what it is for us we're just never gonna fucking get it but we really want to cling to something we want to believe in something we want to have our our feet on solid ground whatever that means does that make sense yeah because it's one of the things i've been working on in myself is what i refer i i referenced it a week or so ago that we all have that desire to be fully known but we also want to be safe i mean we, we we look for safety in our friendships the relationships that we go deeper into we want to be safe and what is that you know and that's one of the things i've been kind of just wrestling with is what what is safe mm. and in faith safe is how i'm viewing it now again it's my reconstruction if to fit the, the the quote is safe is to be seen to be heard and to be understood because how many times are we are we are we invisible i mean i've been to a ton of churches i've either i've been seen but i've never been heard and then i'm never understood i mean there's been few churches that i felt like i've been understood and you know uh uh Poor Gardner, with all his flaws, is one of the few places that I felt like I've been understood. Hmm. Does that make you know what I mean about being safe? Like, I mean, even in in in, in uh, intimate relationships, do you feel safe? You know, do you feel heard, or do you feel dismissed when what you share might touch a hot button? 
and I think hot buttons are just unhealed wounds. You know, where we're just we've got we've got we've got hurts that we've never looked at, we've never addressed, and we've never looked, you know, looked into. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I was discussing this with a friend not too long ago. You know, about the being seen, fully known, mm-hmm. versus. And this, we, we were talking about like kind of winning and being first. Um, but safety came up, you know, it's like, can you be, can you be fully known if someone's not safe or if you're not safe? But then it's, how do you know, like, how do you know? I think when people deal with their shit or when people are huge, are humiliated <laughs> i don't know like that may be a a shamey term but when when people genuinely show vulnerability then I, that for me that's a safe person when i don't tend to trust people that don't have shit right if you somehow walk around like you don't have shit that's happened in your life and you're not like willing to talk about it or 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 show it I don't trust you. I, I trust people with baggage, right? Maybe right. I'm weird, but that's fucking for me. If you're willing to show me your shit box of baggage, you know, that that's someone I can trust because they're not trying to be, you know, let their ego, like their ego is so in control that they can't show where they're, where they're weak, where they're vulnerable, you know? Yeah, unless they're still not going to hear you. I mean, I've been around guys that just shared all their crap, and they never heard me. Mm. You know, so it's a first step, but they don't hear. And that's one of the things that I really try to do is is hear people. Yeah. You know, try to be safe. Because in, in, it's amazing to me in, in, uh, in relationships – with with in marriage and in serious committed relationships the number of people that don't feel safe mm-hmm. i'm not talking physically but emotionally you no know, do you feel like you can share your emotions because a lot of times those emotions are going to expose something in the other person that they're not going to like yeah. you know because i struggle with it you know i i struggle with it I've struggled with my whole life because my emotions were never welcome. Mm. And I started, I I have done that to my, to my daughters because I was uncomfortable with their emotions because I was uncomfortable with my own. You you struggle with being accepted like in a safe environment or you struggle with allowing other people to express their emotions. Um, That's a great, that's a great question. Because there are two different—I mean, that's two different coins, not even sides. That's two different coins, right? Yeah, say it again. You're you're uncomfortable with others sharing their emotions, or you're uncomfortable with you sharing your own emotions. But wouldn't there be a common thread connecting the two? There is, yes. But it's and it's the emotion. Mm-hmm. But so like, <clears throat> for instance, me, I am more comfortable 
not completely, but just more comfortable than in the past of sitting with anybody and allowing them to pour out their heart and just dump any emotion they want. I'm less comfortable with me dumping my emotions. Yeah, I would, I would be there too. How, why, would that, same, why would that be true? Why you? is that true for me? Yeah. Because um, it's not always well received. Right. I also pick up on a lot of, I have issues whenever I share <clears throat> and like for, so Russ, you are very good at this. You pick up my shit sometimes. And it's not that it's a bad thing. You do it out of habit. And mostly because we, sorry, I'm getting a, yeah, getting, an amber, getting an amber alert. <laughs> yeah, I've got my phone on silence. Shalane. Um, we just share a common thread of the baggage, right? I mean, we're both just survivors of sexual abuse. And so what I'm sharing, sometimes you pick it up. And it's super fucking uncomfortable because I know it doesn't like it doesn't belong to you, right? It's mine mm-hmm. kind of thing. But you don't know what to do either sometimes because you're like, oh shit, there's there's this thing here. There's this weight. I'm supposed to pick it up because you've been you carry the same weight sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And I've done it with you too. You know, you've been sharing and I like pick it up and it's like, wait, why am I holding yours? Like this is yeah. Russ's baggage. Right. Oh <laughs> I, dude. I just Russ was putting his baggage down yeah. to just relax and rest right and i picked it up it's like why am i doing this no no put it back down <laughs> but so it's mostly because of that I, I pick up on other people's cues when they pick up my shit it's like oh no you're not no stop that's okay. mine don't pick it up so that's why i'm kind of somewhat uncomfortable about it and then the other side is that i've just been shit on so for yeah well I'm 37 years old so yeah, the, the let me finish thing I think would be good. I, I picked up on that too, dude. I listened to the last, was it the last show or I released two shows kind of close together. But you're right. There was something you said and I picked up on it and I was, and I said some shit that I've said a lot on the show. And I'm almost like telling myself, why the fuck did I do that? It's almost like you're right. Like I picked up your thing and then I had to like, uh like that's there's there it is there's the thing yeah, there it is Thank, yep i picked it up uh, yeah okay i'm gonna put this down now sorry guys sorry yeah so, and that's yeah. that's where i think it's great though in interacting like that's safe is you pick up my shit you realize it's not yours i realize that you did it and i'm not well sometimes i might call you out on it but and then it's just like, okay, Russ, you picked it up, put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's and okay. It, you can say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that's an aspect of being safe as well, which is nice. Yeah. And and it makes it easier for, well, it makes it easier for me to share, because I know that, unless you don't put it down, then you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just, or I'm just really uncomfortable and I'm deflecting. Uh huh. I'm yeah. trying to carry because uh-huh. I don't want to sit in it. I don't want to sit in it. And you guys have brought that up before where you're like, sometimes Russ doesn't like to sit in things. And you're right. Yeah. Sometimes I, because ever since the last time you said it, 
it was when it was when I was editing the show and I had dropped. You know, <laughs> Kristen yeah. like Kristen's like, oh yeah, God just fucking shot Russ out of the room or whatever. And uh, and I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, you know. At first, I'm like, whatever. And then I'm, the more I kind of think thought about it, and then sometimes I don't edit the whole show, you know. But it makes sense though. Yeah. After a while, yeah, you know, you sense. sit with it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And something about this last six months, you know, in this new job, Steve, you said something earlier about being a safe place and looking for safe people. Um, I've never really felt that safe. And when I, when I did, and again, I've, I talk about recovery groups a lot and I know I do that, but that was the first time I felt safe where I had, I couldn't, I didn't have to lie to get people to like me or, or, or to, pop up my persona or whatever the fuck I was doing uh, or cover up, you know, some shitty things about myself. I was able to just be myself and people were also broken and fucked up and shared their own shit. But you said something about having safe people to be around. And when I started this podcast and I threw, you know, through whatever means the six of us started in that room I knew that shit wasn't safe. Like there's one part of me that was like, this isn't fucking safe. Yeah. But I love it because well, you, I you, know you guys. You don't, you don't know how close Chuck and I both came to quitting. Yeah. Yeah. It was just because neither one, I don't think back then, I don't think either one of us was really heard. Mm. You know, it was like we weren't, because I'm not one that will just, over talk somebody or cross talk. Yeah. I usually wait for an opening or wait till I'm asked. And that was, that was difficult, but it didn't feel safe, mm. honestly. And I think it feels, even though we're up to five now, this feels safer. And I'm not shitting on the two that aren't with us. It's well, probably you think a lot to do with my growth. Well, yeah, I was going to say, do you think it has to do with the fact that, A, you're somewhere completely different than you were two and a half plus years ago, and then you, the relation, and I think that was the biggest issue of the not safe was the relationships. So yeah. I come into this entire group knowing Russ and Steve. I don't know Derek. I don't know Arthur, and I don't know John at all. Yeah. I yeah. have yeah. no idea about who they are. I trust Russ, that these are somewhat good people, and well, I had a buddy Steve kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's safer now just because of the relationships that we have with each other. Yeah. Now, you guys were also a safety thing for me because I don't think I could have done it with John, you know, Arthur, and, and Derek. Derek, just because, I mean, I know them. I didn't know Arthur much at all. Yeah. But I knew I knew John and, and Derek and I wasn't sure that I had, you know, there was there's a grounding that you guys have that Well I think that was that that was across the board too. I mean if you would ask John and Arthur, I'm sure they would say sim very similar things on I mean you're inviting yeah, yeah. these two wacko hardcore Christians. Bandy. You know, <laughs> these, these, wait, Russ, you're bringing these two super Vangies with you? Like, why? Fuck off. Okay, at least I have Arthur and Derek. 
Yeah, 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 you're right. But it wasn't safe. Like, there's nothing, there, it didn't make sense. <laughs> no, it really didn't. Well, I don't, see, I don't know if I would say that it wasn't safe. Because it's... Define safe, I guess. We're getting into language, yeah, you know. But it's, well, no, I mean, it's, so the first few episodes, there's a getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure, it's not safe because I don't know you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, or, you know, Arthur or John or Derek. So, sure, it's not safe in that aspect, but I don't think at any time either that anybody was persecuted or made fun of or shamed. Yeah. You didn't feel a little bit about just our, our, our still going to church? Oh, sure. There's that. That's what, the, that's what time, I thought. Like, well, it's, I guess I, it was maybe less. I didn't feel it as much, maybe. Mostly because I was still just fucking bonkers and had no idea that I was broken or super messed up or that I disassociate like a champ. Um, but at least I had you and Russ and Derek was still going to church at the time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Me and Derek that's were right. still going. We were going to AC3, I think, at the time. Well, he was still going to... Uh... Mars Hill. Mars Hill offshoot. Yeah. And then that's after he left. That's when he went up to AC3. Yeah. But I think, you know, the safety is that you can express your beliefs and they won't be condemned as wrong. No, I can't. No, I can't believe you'd think that. Or I can't yeah. believe you believe that. So, okay. So I got a, okay. So I got a random question for you then, because I've been like fighting with this for some time now because there are folks that I I would say I share similar views on certain things and then not similar views I mean completely mm-hmm. opposite views on other things and some of them still go to Port Gardner and others no longer go to Port Gardner and they would totally I, they're safe to an extent but they would totally call you out on something that they don't believe. You know, I believe A, B, and C. And they totally say, no, you're wrong on A, B, and C. And I find it interesting because am am I helping you? So we'll say A is I believe that if I kill myself, I'm better off. Would you call me out on it or would you let me believe that, Steve? I would ask more questions. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by better off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the first thought. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Happier. What's that? Happier? Happier. Yeah. If you killed yourself? Yeah. How would you know that? I'm no longer here suffering. I think so that... heaven is this blissful place. Okay, but so, but so making me define certain words in that statement though are you not shitting on my belief no i for me i mean honestly i'm trying to understand what it is you're saying it's the ones it's the ones that don't ask the questions okay that that i don't feel safe you're wrong you should not do that because it's a no i mean even when you say the hot place 
Or like Beetlejuice, you will be a, a public uh, servant. Oh, well, I made a I made a comment one one Saturday morning at our at our at the men's breakfast, and I remember exactly where we were um, at the IHOP there on Broadway, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'd put on a post up on uh, Facebook at the time that says the only way you can fail at praying is by not praying, and somebody at the table said, "Well, you can fail at praying when you pray with wrong motives." Fuck you. I wouldn't, he wasn't safe and he was never yeah. safe. He was never safe. You know, ask, what do you mean by you can't fail yeah. at prayer unless you don't pray? You know, as opposed to saying no. And that's what I guess is for me is safe is someone that will dismiss what you think and feel. You know, even. You know, a podcast I'll listen to. And he'll say, oh, I can't listen to that guy. You know, and, and the difference is, is with, at Port Gardner is, is with Chuck is I've expressed views that we disagree on. But he doesn't dismiss my viewpoint. He still values you. Yes. He may not value the viewpoint, but he values you I don't know. I don't know if that even it would be correct. Would it? Would it be that he just doesn't agree he might value it. Well, He's it's not it. It's it. you. It's you because the belief system's coming out. I think that's where the questions come from. Like if I'm going to ask a question of like what Chuck just said, I value Chuck. I don't yeah. want Chuck to die. So I'm going to, I'm not trying to manipulate Chuck, but I want, I'm curious as to why he may think that because I value Chuck or someone else who's going through, if someone's, you know, going through suicidal ideation it's something i'm familiar with as well so i may ask these questions based on being in a place of feeling devalued yeah and i'm curious i'm fucking curious and i love chuck and i love people who struggle with that because i did too and i'm glad i'm alive because i don't know there's more shit going on do you wake up every morning excited that you're still alive? That you woke up? I don't. No. Some days I'm like, today really sucks. And some days I'm like, oh yeah, today's really cool. Some days I have to I have to get into a meditative state. And you could call that prayer, but it's a meditative state of gratitude. Like you have to own. force yourself out of bed, Steve. How do I force myself out of it? Or, well, do you have to? It, you know, it depends. Uh, by the time I get up and start moving around and get in and get a shower, I'm feeling better. And then I get a coffee and I'm feeling better. And then I start interacting with people. I feel better. And this is just something in the last week that I've really become aware of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've talked with guys, you know, because I've talked with guys that are just so excited to be here that they, I do not want to live until I'm a hundred. Fuck no. You know, I, <laughs> why, you know, yeah. maybe it's, it's my worldview that what's next is an adventure. Um, but yeah, there's, there's moments when, and it's more more to be 
but face honest, there's more moments, there's more mornings that I wake up wishing I hadn't woken up than there are that I woke up glad I'm waking up. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's part of where I am, you know, um, just working for the man. I so enjoy the best part of my day when I'm working is interacting with customers. Yeah. Cause I, I just have, I got people that I, that I feel safe with. You know what I say to that? You're a sick fuck. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> I've known it for years. I hate, it's I becoming clearer. I, you know, it's funny. I, I've, I've hated working with the general public for as long as I could remember. And my first job, I was a caddy working with the general public. A looper. I then went into restaurants, which was McDonald's for 10 days. And retail, I worked at Sears for a while. Sears. And then I was- And then I sold cars for a while. And then I worked at Walt Disney World. So from the time I could start working, which I started caddying, I think when I was like 12, I worked front line. You know, I I was dealing with customers day in and day out. I fucking hate people. Do you? I cannot stand working with the general public. Hmm. I love interacting with people, but on this level, not the bullshit of make your, you know, where's the bathroom? You know, surface shit. Like, I just can't do it. I just, I'll never have a frontline job ever again does it feel like a lack of safety thing or something like that no it's just easy work Hmm. i do some of that what's a safety thing like with what i do now some of it is really there's a lot there's so many correlations with being a mechanic and a healthcare worker (laughs) like some people really don't like bad news you know or they think you're ripping them off I'm pretty convinced now that you can't trust any Google reviews of a automotive shop no. because people don't know, no. they don't know what the fuck's wrong with their car. And then when we give them bad news, they give us a yeah. shitty review. Right. Or they right. think we're ripping them off because no one trusts anybody. But right. yeah, some of that is, and some people are just assholes. You're right. They're just fucking, I could tell you stories. I won't bore you, but, but I get what you're saying. It's, it's uh the rare person who says thank you or even leaves a nice review on Google or wherever of our shop, because we did something nice for them. Um, Like that's really rare. It's a general, you know, give and take. There was a time I was working at Walt Disney world and this guy came up to me and he's, you know, he's like, Hey, the, you're going to have this parade here at night. It's like, yeah. And then you're going to have fireworks. Yeah. Cause I have my daughter with me. I'm like, okay. I'm like whatever. He says, um, when she was born, my wife and I started saving to take her, you know, it's like to take her to Disney. And I'm like, you know, okay, whatever. 
and you know, I kind of like look over and this girl is like 16, 17 years old. He says, I just, I'm just curious, where can I sit for the parade so that right after the parade, I can just stay there and watch these fireworks. And I'm like, oh, okay, sit here. There'll be enough room for you, your daughter and your wife. And the girl kind of is tearied up and their mom had died like five, six years before that. So this dude started saving when his daughter was born. So it took him 16 plus odd years to save up for this shit. And ended up doing a whole bunch of other things for them. Just because, I mean, it's just really nice. Like he wasn't like, can I get the best spot for the fireworks? Can I get to the best spot for the parade? You know, it's just, where can I sit that I don't have to move <laughs> from one to the other, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I love, I love that, you know, like it was... It was great. But you're right, Russ. Like the same thing, though. It's someone complains because, you know, somebody else touched them. It's like, oh, it's crowded. And so you get a bad review. Yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to tell the supervisor on you. Okay, go ahead. Spell my name right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's and it's always the negative shit that we we tend to internalize. Right. Or remember even like we it's all the shitty stuff that I mean, I don't know. That's some evolutionary psychology too. I heard, you know, we're used to being chased by a tiger on the Serengeti. And then when we, somebody says something shitty or flips us off in traffic, all of a sudden, like that's the thing that sticks with us. There could be amazing things that happen that whole day, but that one asshole who flips us off in traffic, like we dwell and think on that. We're like, fuck. Oh yeah. This sucks. Yeah. Today sucks. <laughs> it's like, no, it, yeah. it doesn't. It's not that bad. You know, yeah, it is, it's amazing when somebody does that, how that can derail you and you don't even know them. Yeah. And they don't know you. Yeah, you, don't know. I mean, you don't know who I am. You were just inconvenienced. So two weeks ago, I came up to our storage unit at the end of the day and Arlington PD was in there and standing around. This lady was crying hysterically at her storage unit and I thought was a pile of uh, coats or something on the ground. Well, I found out that some jackass in a storage unit felt threatened by this lady's dog. So he pulled out his gun and shot the dog in the head. Oh my God. On the property. And I come walking around the corner. I didn't know what it was. I come to talk to the cop and see how much longer he's going to be there. So I could park the truck and I see the dog. And I, I teared up choked up a little bit talking to the cop i got in my van i said i'm gonna leave my van here i'm gonna take the company vehicle home drove off got out of the unit and just broke down sobbing mm-hmm. i seriously had to pull over mm-hmm. and it's like okay where is that what is that mm-hmm. i didn't know the lady i didn't know the dog i'd never seen either one but just knowing that some jackass had shot this lady's pet in the head because he felt threatened. Mm-hmm. So I started to lean in on that. And that messed me up for a couple of days. But I started to lean in on that. Mm-hmm. You know, what was what that about? And it's amazing how little incon- in, little incidental things will completely overtake us. What do you, what did you do? Flipped off in traffic. Yeah, yeah. 
But what did you, what did you gather from that? Like, what did you learn from asking that question? about? I think part of it was I was trying, I was uh, driving, delivering again, eight and a half, nine hour days. I wasn't getting done. I wasn't, my customers were getting neglected. I was getting emails saying, Hey, Steve, I supposed to have gotten a credit on this order or see this order never came or I gave you this order. Where is it? Blah, blah, blah. And I think I was just exhausted emotionally and physically. That was the only thing I think of. Plus, you know, having a dog, that's probably, who was I? Uh, oh, I heard a podcast. This guy said when he was 12 years old, he got a dog and it was the first time he'd ever seen the face of God. <laughs> and I think that's with my dog now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've, I've never had a dog like this. And I just hope to God I, I die before he does. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you never know. No, Sorry, I don't mean to burst your bubble, Steve. You never know. Well, yeah, you have a golden? Yeah. 13 years? Yeah. Probably 78. Oh. Something yeah, I've been thinking about, like what you just shared about the breaking down in tears and stuff. And I, I feel myself as I've done this work and gone to therapy and EMDR and, you know, rapid transformational, whatever, right? All this stuff. I'm more sensitive, you know, yeah. as a man, as a, a white male misogynist circle jerk member <laughs> that's a reference by a, a critic podcaster by the way um anyway so losing our religion being... you can say it it's okay i'll call him out <laughs> there you go so but but just being more sometimes it's just like fuck you know it was a lot easier when it's not like having a thicker skin or whatever the fuck it is it was just just not being present, I think, to a yeah, certain point. I would agree there. If I wasn't, if I wasn't present, then I didn't have to feel shit. Yeah, yeah. And now, the more present I am, the more I feel burdened emotionally by whatever the fuck is happening. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's right. I'm right there with you. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh huh. At times feel just overwhelmed with sadness that and I probably when I was like 12 years old I had been crying over something and my dad said I shouldn't be crying and I was and I felt shamed by it so I remember looking in the mirror and saying you pointing at myself will never cry again mm. and you know maybe that put a block there I still well, that, cry. that work out for you by the yeah. way <laughs> It's one of those things. I used to say that about masturbation. <laughs> I'll never masturbate. I'll never do that. Like, seriously. Yeah. You know, I'm not joking. I'm joking because it's kind of funny. But I remember being in fucking tears because I thought I was going to hell or whatever, you know, because of all the shame I felt. Right. And looking and I'll never masturbate again. And then, you know, 10 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's at least a half hour <laughs> oh man yeah uh, I, I, I do agree and, and that might be part of it too is I just picked up on that gal's um, emotion 
I mean, she brought her pet to the yeah. storage unit. God, it's, a, it's enclosed. It's gated. She let it out, and some jackass felt threatened. I mean, those are the fuckers that I have concerns about owning a gun. Yeah, or a pet. Well, yeah, because you know that dude's got more issues. I mean, if you pull out a gun and shoot, now granted, maybe he had been mauled by a dog before yeah. when he was a kid, but there it goes back to unhealed wounds. But yeah. that's it too. It's like it, when I wasn't in the moment, it was a lot easier because I didn't care. And now I sometimes overcare. You know, yeah. I, I I think too much about what people that I may have offended someone or what's somebody going to do or what's somebody going to say. It's funny because my daughters and I talk about this when we're together um, too. And I think, and Christian hit this um, on me a couple of weeks ago that, and I think a lot of guys, as you get older, you want to share, but you don't feel heard. So mm-hmm. when you feel safe with somebody listening, you just share shit that shouldn't be shared. You know, and that's why she said when she went to that coffee shop, she said, I got that. When she said, those old guys that come in and just start talking. Yeah. Well, I get it. I get it. And then she called me out on it and say, Steve, you got a lot to say, but you don't feel like you get, you don't feel like you're heard. And that's exactly right. Yeah. Because how many times do we share stuff? And it's kind of like what we hit on earlier is that it, it threatens those that are listening because it might be pointing back at them or it might be making them aware of something. Or they jump in and that's kind of a Christian thing, right? We're going to fix it. Oh, yeah. well, we're going to fix it. You know, I'll jump in. I'll save you from this. And I think, again, that comes back to that idea. I There was a post somebody wrote on my pilgrimage Facebook thing, you know, that they got. And somebody was talking about the understanding of saviors and tyrants. When you create a savior that's big enough, eventually it becomes a tyrant in your life and starts to run your life. And and there's something to that, right? Like, there's a, whether it's a worldview or you know, even your group of friends become a tyrant. And then when you start to wander off the path, that's something about deconstruction too, is all the folks who join a Christian safe place. So they think until they start thinking outside the box and then guess what? You know, that safe, very safe place is no longer safe. No, because I mean, the, the men's breakfast, Frankie and I started that. Uh, calibrates just to get the guys together to, to just do nothing, no agenda, nothing. Well, then it became not safe because some of the people that started to come brought their agendas in. Mm-hmm. And when you bring an agenda, it's I don't think it's safe anymore when you bring your agenda to the table. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like you're dragging your... And that's where <clears throat> if you would have... Because I've, I've been there a couple times, right? Yeah. And if you call them out on it, they're totally ignorant. Oh yeah. On, you know, they're, they're super defensive about it because they're ignorant that they even brought an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. Ignorant doesn't mean, you know, we're not like shitting on the person who's ignorant. It's just unknowing. Unknowing. Yeah. That's what the word means. It's yeah. sort of a shitty, it's sort of a put down word. that can sound like it. They're ignorant. That person's ignorant. No, well, no, I'm not saying they're dumb. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they right. are, I mean, there are people that are dumb. 
mm-hmm. and we use the word ignorant for them. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, emotionally ignorant, which is a whole other thing. A lot of more men, I think, are emotionally ignorant than than women. Yeah, and it's no, yeah, no. I think that's bullshit, though. You think so? Yeah, I think it's a a stereotype that has stemmed from the boomers. I don't think I. I really don't think men are emotionally ignorant. It's just a stigma of you're not manly if you yeah. fucking cry. Yeah. If you share your emotions, that's not masculine. Which... But if you put your fist through your drywall, then you're a man, right? That's equally as emotional. You know, it's just another thing. I think it's that so true. It's the generation before me. Because that's how I was raised by that generation. My dad would be yeah, the greatest. My dad generation? would be ninety-three. Yeah, the, the, no, the generation before the great. No, yeah, the boom because the boomers were raised by the greatest generation. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. And a lot of it, I think, with I know as I've looked back with my dad, is my dad was uncomfortable emotionally. You know, I remember my mom just brought this up, and I remember the situation. And we were, I was like 10, 11 years old in the backyard playing football, I'd gone in to do something. And one of the guys that I hung out with just pissed me off. So I walked, I walked in the house and in the anger and the rage just boiled over. And I stepped back out on the porch and I just screamed as loud as I could. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Get the fuck out of my face. My dad just about shit a brick. And my mom just said this recently. She goes, I've never ever seen your dad that angry because he was uncomfortable with, uh-huh. you know, and with even and anger as opposed, yeah, he's very, he was very uncomfortable with anger. And instead of asking, hold on a minute, sit down. What's going on? No. Well, I, I had a conversation with my sister maybe a year plus ago and just talking about, you know, doing stuff to make our parents mad and I don't, I still don't remember doing this, but I, I can totally buy the fact that I did it, but my mom told me to go do something. And I used to swear at my parents um, all the time to make them mad. You know, I do it on purpose. And my sister was around and I wasn't doing it. And finally my mom was like, you know, like whatever, go unload the dishes clean up your room, whatever it was. Right. And I sat there very calmly and was like, make me. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just that like, so I, I mean, I knew how to get under my parents' skin without even swearing. Right. And right. my sister was describing like just how pissed my mother was. Cause you, you physically can't make me do it. Like I'm right. just a somewhat grown, you know, as a young man, right. Yeah. 14, 15, 16 years old. You can't make me do anything. Yeah. I mean, you can take stuff away, give me consequences, but you're not making me do the action, right? Yeah. And that's what I try to do now is when you see an over, if when you, I'm trying to be braver, but I hate, absolutely hate conflict. I hate it. And I think, you know, when somebody's arguing, I'm really uncomfortable. I'll leave the room. Or, you know, poor gardener, I left the front porch because, uh, uh, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> Luke and uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonathan. We're talking about masks. No, I just, I was uncomfortable. Not me, man. But I'll, I'll, I'll pop a bag of popcorn and stand there right in the middle of them, both of them and just ping pong match back and forth looking at them. I, love I that feel shit. that. I feel that in my gut when I see conflict like that. Yeah. I mean, even, even in the times when, when we've called Russ out, um, I've been very uncomfortable. Very you got to sit in it more. I don't like it just, being uncomfortable. Well, sure, but it, yeah, it tells you stuff. It tells, it reveals a lot about yourself, right? Just past the discomfort is something beautiful and chewy. Now I'm better at sitting in my own emotional pain. I think it's, well, you're not sitting in mine. You're sitting in your own relationship well, with me. Then you choose to leave it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I am. I think I'm. Like you just said, I think I'm picking up your stuff, Chuck or Russ. No, because man, I feel, man. I'm picking up your. Um, I'm picking. I'm being sensitive to what you might what you might be feeling. Mm. And oh, you're definitely yeah. So if you if you really have issues with all confrontation, what not not confrontation with you and somebody else, but like when it. So right now, if Russ and I had a confrontation and you're super uncomfortable with it, you are totally picking up. Shit yeah. that doesn't belong to you. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. your body saying that's yeah. not ours. Yeah. How do you put that down? Um. Well, for me, there's a couple things. Um. You have to. For me, it's you. I have to stay in it. I have to physically stay there and feel the uncomfort, and it's uh, analyze the uncomfort. Like, is this mine? Like, why all of a sudden did I? Like, do I have an issue with the topic that's being said? Did, was I offended? Um, does one of my parts have an issue with what's being said? Or do they have, you know, like, were they offended? Yeah. And when you start just hearing no, 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 it's all this shit ain't mine. And so really, you just keep looking at it and feeling the pain. And it's like, why am I feeling this? And, and you, me, I tell myself, like, this is not my shit. Put it down. Stop carrying someone else's baggage. Yeah, that's good. That's a very, it's a very Christian thing too. <laughs> well, yeah, you have me thinking about it is because Jesus says that, like, my burden, my yoke is light. You know, my bird, follow me because my yoke is light. My burden is. Yet he's going to the cross, right? So there's a suffering element to that that none of us want to do. Well, that and that's where death you got to die to live he i mean it's and even too when they talk about your sorrows are divided and your joys are multiplied so the reason that is is because so your sorrows are divided because you have others picking up your shit and so i'm not carrying it anymore you're carrying it now the reality is is i still carry it at the end of the day you also just carry it now yeah but then when my my happiness is multiplied that shit you should pick up so i'm celebrating well or someone is celebrating a birthday today whether they want to or not they traveled around the big ball of fire again yeah 
they're happy. You pick that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's sharing one another's burdens and joys and stuff. Yeah. Like you should do that. But, but I think saving day, someone, like in the in the group situation, like like Steve was talking about, feeling uncomfortable if if I'm being called out or something like that. And I saw this again a lot in recovery groups where someone would Leo, our buddy Leo, Steve, mm-hmm. would jump in and go, Don't you save him from that? Like I've seen him do it. Do yeah. it. You are jumping in and you're saving him from feeling that stop, shut yeah, up stop. and let him sit in it. Like Leo would do that. It was awesome, you know, because he identified it. Like he could see it coming. Right. And uh, there's something to that. Or I saw James Noriega hold up a mirror in front of a guy. And he, this guy was coming after me and saying all this stuff, like you should be doing this. You should do that. And you should, you should, 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 should. And, and now, you know, James just looked at me and goes, don't worry about it, Russ. And he grabs a mirror from the other end of the room and he puts it right in front of me and in front of the guy who's saying all that shit to me. Cause what he was doing is he's really saying it to himself. So he's just projecting everything that was uncomfortable about what was going on on back on himself. Um, so taking this thought, then when you're in confrontation with someone else, are you picking up their shit? At times, you yeah, you will. And it really takes practice not to. Because I, like, I don't like to be in confrontation either. Well, yeah. Most people don't. I'm just yeah. a sick individual, I think. <laughs> I, I, I called you out, Steve, a little bit on the getting help thing once. And I don't, I don't know if I was picking up your shit as much as I was like maybe projecting my own resistance to getting help myself. Cause my wife was the first one to get help. My first, my wife was the first one to, to see a therapist and get, start getting help with her own sexual abuse. And then she was telling me, you know, one night driving home, like, well, Alex said something strange. And I said, what's that? When are you going to come in and get help? for what happened to you you know and i never told her i didn't have told anybody about shit right right. i'm just sitting there silent with tears streaming down my face you know (laughs) and i'm like oh fuck like i have to do this work so i think that me calling you out on actually you know getting into seeing a therapist or something like that filleting yourself open in front of another human being it was, it was confrontational. It wasn't comfortable for me to do that with you. And I hadn't done it with anyone in a long time, but just, I love you, man. And, and I think that's what I was after is there's a beauty to it, you know? So Steve, you, you asked a question about, you know, like not having issues with, or having issues with confrontation with other people and yourself. And I think that is, I think that's a Christian aspect as well. And so, so we grew up in similar church backgrounds. And when I say similar, identical, because we both right. went to, we both grew up in a Christian Missionary Alliance church and they're super legalistic. And one of the things that I learned as a Christian was that conflict is, it was never told, it was never, you know, said out loud in a sermon or whatever that conflict is a sin. 
but it was very much implied underlined or you know it's in the silence it was like listen if you have a conflict with somebody you're sinning you know like if you're arguing with somebody you're sinning and i think that's where bringing it back to that quote that i read in the beginning of this podcast is the deconstruction is really just reconstruction i think that's the stuff though that why i have an issue with that statement is that's the stuff that actually needs to be deconstructed. It's just because I'm sitting here arguing my viewpoint against your viewpoint and there's conflict doesn't mean that either one of us are wrong or right. It's just, this is my viewpoint and I'm arguing it with you. There shouldn't be any um, bad feelings. There shouldn't be any anxiety on how you are interpreting what I'm saying. I'm just speaking from my heart. This is my viewpoint. And if you feel, you know, you start feeling pain and your body's aching or whatever it is, right? Like you're like, oh shit, this is conflict. I don't want this. That's something that should be deconstructed completely. It's a trigger. Yeah, you're triggered. You're triggered by emotionally, right? Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting though because I don't feel that with you, Chuck. I mean, I think we could disagree to we could agree or disagree on multiple topics because we've done it a lot. Yeah. And I don't feel I think there's a I guess what where I don't like is those that are so insistent on their point of view that they start tearing your view down and then they start attacking you. Okay, so help me understand then where. So are you feeling conflict in the fact that they're disagreeing with you or are you feeling or are you covering the feeling of them putting you down probably some as conflict because it's not you know so that feeling isn't really a conflict issue then it's the you're feeling that you're being dismissed or disrespected um, disrespected yeah you're a subordinate a subordinate instead of a not even a superior you're just not equal right well, Luke and I had this discussion one, one Sunday at church before we got started. And I said, I have never in 60, well, 50 plus years of working, I've never applied for a job and gone in on an interview. Ever. Okay. I've, I've always just had them. They've always even been given to me. Yeah. And he goes, so have you ever gone to your boss and said you need more money? No. Why not? I just never have. You know, I, I and it's, it's, that's, the, that's a little, um, I'm kind of getting pressure to work because I'm still only on part-time pay. Yeah. Although for sales, although I'm getting paid for delivery. So I'm making not as much, but close to. But I'm getting pressured from other guys at work that know what I'm doing. They go, yeah, talk to the owner. I can't do that. What are you afraid of? Huh? What are you afraid of? I don't know. But I am afraid. Uh-huh. Close your eyes. Okay, this it's going to get quiet for a second. So just sit with it, folks that are listening. Okay, close your eyes, Steve. <laughs> sit in it, yes. So let's sit in it a second. Okay. You're, it's dark. Nothing around you. Okay. 
we're going to slowly start picturing the owner's office. It's like a, let's watch it from a television aspect. Okay. So it's, yeah, that's how I see just, that office. It's just going to slow. You see it? Yeah. Okay. Picture him now. Let me know when, well, let me know whenever you can see him. Oh, I can see him. Okay. Can you see the door that, to his office as well? Yeah. Okay. Can you see the other side of the door? What do you mean the other side? The outside? Yeah, the outside of the door. From inside? Yep. No, not really. I'm in the office and the door's open, but it's, I mean, I'm not, it's like it's like halfway open. I'm sitting where I've sat in his office before. Okay. So you're still in the, okay, so let's, let's remove you from the first person perspective though. So we're going to become the third person. Okay. Yeah. So I, need you to, I need you to get up and go somewhere else in the office. That's really hard to do. Yeah, it is. Have you ever, have you ever been anywhere else in that okay. office? No. Okay. I've never been behind his desk. I've only sat in the chair across from him at his desk. His office is he's he's got a U-shaped desk with a hutch on the wall. And in the main part of the desk, he's got two guest chairs that sit across from him. Okay. That's when you get called quote called into the principal's office. Yep. So that's only that's the only place I've ever been in there. Okay, so he's super, super high important, right? Yeah. Mentally, well, like, you know, just you're in your in your brain, right? Like, yeah, he's just, yeah. I mean, you refer to him as a principal. Did everybody you, you does. realize that? Yeah, everybody does. Okay. What are you wearing? What am I wearing? Yeah. Business casual. Okay. Now on the tip of your tongue, you're getting ready to ask for a raise. You haven't, you haven't asked. It, it's still just weather talk, but on the tip of your tongue, you're getting ready to where do you feel it? In my chest. What does it feel like? Heavy. What does it look like? Just a blob. Is it squishy? Yeah. yeah. Really. What color is it? Green. Is it hot, cold, neutral? Kind of neutral. Is it sticky? Probably warmer. It's sticky, but it's probably warmer than cold. Does it look like it's sweating? Like, you know, it has like, like a glisten sheen, like Jello does. Yeah, sometimes. It's, it's a little shiny. Okay. Can you reach out and touch it? No. No. What happens when you reach out? Does it move? Yeah. Away. Yeah. What happens? What happens when you pull back? Does it reform its uh, go back yeah, to its back original to shape? Place. Yeah. Yeah. Do it again. Try to touch it. Yeah, it keeps doing that same thing. D does it feel different when you reach out to touch it? No. Maybe not. Not moving as far away. Okay, pull back away from it. Just sit there with it and acknowledge the fact that it's there. Mm -hmm. So what tell is it that? It's, tell it it's safe.
Mm-hmm. What is that? What is what? That the blob. The blob? It's a part of you. From some blob. point? From some point? Yeah, it might. Maybe. It could be a defense mechanism. It could be a... Um, well, it, it could be an exile that's covered by a defense mechanism. Talk, that would talk be my it. guess. Close your eyes. Tell the blob that you love it. Ask the blob to look at you today <clears throat> and see where you're at in your life. See where <clears throat> you are mentally. I don't know that I can yourself. tell that I love it. Okay. I don't think I do. Why don't, why don't you think you love it? Because I think that has prevented me. This is one of the, one of the areas I've just been starting to explore, but I think that's, that's a part of me that's prevented me from doing a lot of stuff and being something else. Um, that's a part of me that's always kept me. It's made me play it safe. It's made me you, to play where there's, there's there's little risk. And that's you, why I've always lived my life. Are you curious about the blog? I've been curious for okay. a couple of months. Keep looking at the blog. Ask the blob if there's anything that it would like to share with you. He's a protector. Okay. He says ask, the blob, ask the blob if he would let you know who it's protecting. He said, I'm not ready. Ask him why. This is not strong enough. Okay. And I think he's probably 13 years old pops into my head. Okay. Do you feel like the protector is correct? That you're not strong enough? Do I think it or do I believe it? Do you think it? I do think it. Yeah. Okay, ask the, ask the, ask the blob to analyze the last year of your life in the shit you've carried yourself through and it. Because you've helped that protector too. Mm-hmm. So just replay a couple things that in your head show the blob some shit you've dealt with in the past year that you've had to deal with. Yeah, that's that's really weird. Is it's really foggy? Yeah. From the blob's point of view, or from your point? From of view? my point of view. That's the blob. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's why I was just thinking. Yeah, the blob. The blob doesn't want to see it. Ask the blob why he doesn't want to watch. I think he's afraid. Ask him what he's afraid of. Now, this is what what gets weird. Is what I'm hearing is, is it what I've read, or what's is real um, because what I'm hearing is 
he's afraid he's not going to be needed. Yep. Yep. That is one of the biggest issues in, and tell the, tell the blob this, that you understand that he's not going to be needed. That is one of the biggest issues with our protectors is yeah. they are super afraid of not being needed anymore. Can you love that protector in that situation that his fear of never being needed again, because he's been protecting this thing. You said you feel like it's about 13 years old. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to think back at 13. So maybe like the last 45, 50 years, this blob has had this job. And now you're asking him to stop and give it up. Can you love that blob? in the fact that he has fear of never being needed again. Yeah, I can, because I, I'm, I have empathy for that 13 year old. Again, yeah. I'm just trying to recall what event happened at 13. No, he'll tell he'll tell you when he's ready. Just love him. Just love the blob, that protector in the fact that he's feel, he has that fear of never being needed. Yeah. How does, he, how, does he because how does he receive that? Um, he has trouble believing it. Yeah. <laughs> which I have the same struggle. You have the same struggle of believing that you're going to love him in that aspect or that receiving? In a similar role that someone could, that someone would do that. You know, because um, it goes back was it two weeks ago when, when Kristen was making those compliments to me, it was hard for me because the voice is the accusation of the voice was saying, it's not true. She doesn't really mean it. That's why it's easy for me. I think to love that 13 year old, there's not really a, a, a shape of a person, but that blob, because it's hard to believe what, it's hard for me to believe compliments. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay, of the yeah, accusations. One, one, one more thing maybe to ask this blob. <clears throat> and you can ask or not. To have to. I want you, Steve, to commit. And if the blob is receptive. To have a conversation. At a minimum of once a week. Oh, yeah. Sit, sit down. Have a conversation with blob and get to know it yeah i'm as, as we're talking i'm going to my i'm thinking journal yeah um, and i'm uh, to interject like breathing through some of that for me has been really helpful that's something that seth and amy taught me yeah because because i i, I kind of saw it in you maybe a little bit some of my own shit here i am trying to carry your shit i, I see it because it's mine <laughs> but i but what i would do is my brain jumps in like my fucking brain jumps in and tries to start to rationalize and make sense of things but that the breathing really fucking helps you get back into the relationship that you have with the blob or what what well, it's interesting because that's yeah. a part i've never I've, i have not been aware of yeah but it is so, a part and like, here's the fun part about this is, and I guess I'm talking really to our listeners. Rewind, you know, listen to this podcast. Yeah, great. Rewind. 
go back, do it yourself. When you hear me say, close your eyes, close your eyes. Listen to your body. You know, Steve, you had it in your chest. I get a lot of mine in my spine, my thighs, and my gut. And just focus on it and picture it. You know, is it hot? Is it cold? I mean, basic senses, right? Like, is it loud? Is it quiet? If Do I reach out? Does that hurt more? Does it hurt less? Does it move away? You know, a lot of things just, you know, it's just be visual about it in your brain and be curious. Just ask the same questions. Like, why are you here? What do you want me to know? You know, obviously I have this angst. You're telling me something in my physical pain in my chest. Okay, I'm listening now. Yeah. What do you want me to know? Yeah. Right? Like, and it's wait. my body. Okay, and, and, what do you want wait. me to know? Don't, because I, I tend to project, mm-hmm. but just wait. Don't think, wait. That's one of the things that, that Adam Young has really helped me with is under, is pay attention to what you're paying attention to, but also just be in that moment. Hey, what are you feeling? I feel it in my chest and all temperature is I'll get really hot. I'll get sweaty. We got to land the plane, by the way. I got to put my kids to bed. How are we going to, who's going to land the plane? I had I had song lyrics that, that this go. whole conversation has me thinking about, <laughs> and it's actually the the Foo Fighters' new album is so good. Have you guys heard it? Nope. No. Nope. Medicine at Midnight. It's beautiful. I guess they they delayed the release on it because of COVID, and they were going to do a whole summer tour, twenty twenty, which it didn't happen. And then they were just all hanging out and going, "Why are we sitting on this? Like, let's share it with the people. Like, it's fucking February or whatever." But it's so good. The whole album is really good. But this, these lyrics have kind of been playing over in my head um, with some of this stuff and the idea of chasing birds, you know? Wait. That's the name of the song. Can you hear that? No. I don't hear it. What is it? I don't hear it. It's in your head. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to play something for you. I was gonna, I was gonna have some light music over Russ talking. Oh, hey, gotcha. you gotta watch out for that shit though, because we're on spot. No, they're never gonna know because it's so faint. <laughs> like subliminal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the, here's the here's the lyrics. These are these are. It's just really cool. Um, chasing birds to get high. I'm never coming down. My heart is six feet underground. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, dark interventions of mine. The road to hell is paved with broken parts and bleeding hearts like mine. Chasing birds. What if the road to heaven is is littered with broken parts instead? Yeah. Of gold. Maybe that is the gold, you know? Yeah. 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 This understanding right. that the light shines through the cracks, you know? That's a Leonard Cohen song before Switchfoot, but Leonard Cohen talked about the light shines through. That's the beauty when the light shines through the cracks. Chasing birds, fighters would say. Anyway, love you guys. Love you too, man.
Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Hey, help a punk rock robot out. Scratch my itch by hitting that subscribe button. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio or wherever you hear this fucking podcast. Because millions of people in Western culture are undoubtedly divided and dis- disconnected. Because most people keep yelling at each other. Because talking about the elephant in the room has become more like looking for a lost penny under the couch cushion that most don't care to find. We would love for you to join us as a co-producer. You can support this content at Patreon. That's Patreon with an E. Patreon.com slash Punk Theology. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Or I'll click the patron link at punktheology.net.